top stories of the week. God hates Melbourne and frankly the feelings mutual. Also US, UK and Australia in a threesome. France left holding the towels and lube. And Facebook might not have your best interests in mind. I know who would have thunk it. This is News Weekly and there's a tradie about to chuck a bottle of wee at you. Hello and welcome to News Weekly, the podcast where I, Sammy Shah, punch the headlines in the head. Weekly. And I looked and beheld a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death, and Hell followed with him. News now. Melbourne has gone from the most livable city in the world to the most what-the-fuck-is-going-on city in the world. In the last three days alone, the city has seen riots from gangs of anti-vaxxers and neo-Nazis cosplaying as tradies. A rampaging mob swarmed Melbourne's sacred war memorial. Achieved the status of the most locked-down city in the world by crossing the previous record. Melbourne is today in its 235th day of shutdown since the pandemic began. And experienced a fucking earthquake. Oh, and on Thursday, the number of active COVID cases in the state of Victoria, of which Melbourne is a part, was 6,666. Now, I'm not a religious man, nor am I a superstitious man. But as the apartment I live in started shaking, cops started tear-gassing Nazis who were urinating at the Shrine of Remembrance and who are now becoming a plot point for Damien's ascension in the next Omen movie, maybe it's time to sacrifice a black rooster while a man in a tuxedo spits rum into our eyes. (laughs) I'm just saying, why not give it a try? Maybe if we repaint the Melbourne eye to look like the evil eye thingies you can buy in Greek and Turkish grocery stores. With Melburnians proving so vulnerable to the Delta variant, you'd think it was an album launch in a laneway by Boniver, the city continues its harsh lockdowns with 9pm to 5am curfews and the only option for socialising being an outdoor picnic in a city where it rains basically every day at random. Oh, and sometimes we get hail as well. However, because the city wasn't going through enough, construction workers and tradies were outraged by new regulations that closed their tea rooms and threw a tantrum like Maggie Smith being given an inadequate cup of tea. Everywhere I've been in this country, they slap down a cup of tepid nonsense, you know, with the tea bag lying beside it. Those protests then grew in size as union workers and tradies joined forces with anti-vax conspiracy theorists, Trump supporters and neo-Nazis, creating a group that Bill Shorten called a network of hard-right man-baby Nazis. That consortium of man-baby Nazis then attacked John Setka, head of the Construction, Forestry, Maritime, Mining and Energy Union. This put Melburnians in the awkward spot of sympathising with John Setka, a man currently under investigation for domestic violence. They then blocked the Westgate Bridge while singing Daryl Braithwaite's hit song, The Horses. (laughs) 
One assumes to pledge their dedication to Invermectin, the horse medicine they think cures COVID. The next day, that crowd converged on Melbourne's Shrine of Remembrance, where they urinated on the shrine and made Nazi salutes while chanting, lest we forget. A rampaging mob swarmed Melbourne's sacred war memorial. A phrase Yasmin Abdul-Majid was hounded out of the country for daring to use on a Facebook post. But now there's articles being written by the same people who hounded her out of the country about how nuanced and understandable these mobs are. A Channel 7 reporter got first-hand experience talking to these highly intelligent and well-informed protesters who all sound like the comments section of a Craig Kelly Facebook post come to life. Their plans presumably would be about trying to... So this is what happens. People say fake news all the time. What about that inaccurate It's a DNA amplification tool. Okay. Yeah, so there you go. So that's what the cases are based upon. Okay. We've reported that. Yeah, so what are you going to do about it? Well, you've just reported it. Okay, great, but are you going to, are you going to stream it? Because you, you don't. You're live on the air, mate, so okay, there you go. Okay, so right. there you go. So, so you have to... Very passionate. They're... So I've just been struck in the back of a back back of the head by a can. Uh, that okay? really hurt, and I'm going to go back to you, Mike. Some of the protesters managed to write down a list of demands, which included mass distribution of Invermectin, vitamin C and D, and zinc. The vitamins are probably because they spent so many days spitting and throwing their own piss at people, they're now dehydrated and weak. Meanwhile, Melburnians confined indoors by lockdown rules, while safe from getting caught between idiots and high-vis who never finished high school but think they're authorities on biomedical science and cops with tear gas and enough armour to invade Kabul, were suddenly at increased risk of being killed by their collapsing collection of vintage op-shop memorabilia. A 5.9 magnitude earthquake has shaken southeastern Australia, causing damage in Melbourne and other parts of Victoria. Oh my God! Jeez! What is this? Is this a genuine earthquake? The earthquake sent Melburnians out onto the streets where they could assess the damage, which was largely confined to one burger shop in the suburb of Paran, traumatising the city for an entire generation and providing a convenient opening line for anyone on a dating app. Where were you during the great earthquake of 2021? Oh me, I was pissing at the Shrine of Remembrance. And blocked again. Why does this keep happening to me? Adam Pascal, the chief scientist at the Seismology Research Centre in Melbourne, warned that more aftershocks are likely to come and that earthquakes occur every 6 to 10 years, just never so close to the surface that you notice them, which millennials instantly turned into a metaphor for their personal mental illnesses, saying they've never felt so seen. In the coming days, Melbourne is expected to experience increased aftershocks, more riots, continued lockdown, a plague of locusts, reign of frogs, the rise of Yorkshire Goth, hungriest of the Lovecraftian elder gods, a partridge in a pear tree, and 15 minutes of sunshine in which you can dash out for a picnic and exercise. Odd one out in a menage a trois news now. Prime Minister Scott Morrison is currently in the US, probably looking for more connections to his ancestors, which is really the only reason he travels if there isn't a beach holiday involved. The trip is essential to finalise the details of the new nuclear submarine deal struck with the US and UK, and also to make sure President Joe Biden remembers Scott Morrison's name this time. I want to thank uh, that fellow down under. Thank you very much, pal. Friendship with the US is important because Australia just lost its friendship with France and thus the whole of the European Union. Try as Scott Morrison does to thaw Eurofrostiness, cold shoulders keep coming. 
We do consider there was duplicity. We do consider we have been deceived. We're like the primary schooler scrambling to find a bubble buddy in lockdown and getting stuck with the only other kids without bubble buddies of their own. The French have so far rebuffed any attempts at rapprochement and the EU Commission president has had to make a statement on France's behalf. One of our member states um, has been uh, treated in a way that is not acceptable. So we want to know what happened and why. You know what? Grow up, France. Stop being so so French. Stop running off to the principal to complain. What do you want? You want to talk to Australia's mummy and daddy? Well, fine. Talk to America and the UK. See where that gets you, you giant croissant-eating baby. President Biden admitted to his French counterpart today that the U.S. could have been more open about a submarine deal that left the French out and left them furious as well. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said that Biden has spoken to Macron. Uh, I can only speak for our relationship with the French and our relationship with the United Kingdom. Uh, And I will say that uh, the president during this call, as we said in the readout, uh, acknowledged uh, that there could be uh, more of a, there could have been more discussion in advance of the announcement. And that was an important, uh, important message for him to convey. We are in so much trouble. Blindly trusting Blind Trust news now. After failing to disclose who exactly donated money into a Blind Trust that paid for his aborted defamation action against the ABC, Christian Porter has resigned from his ministry and moved to the backbenches of Parliament. I know, that's a lot of information. Okay, let's let's break this down. So, earlier this year, the ABC and journalist Louise Milligan covered allegations of rape levelled against the former Attorney General Christian Porter. The allegations dated back to the 1990s. Porter then launched a defamation lawsuit against the ABC and Louise Milligan. It was expensive. It turns out part of that lawsuit was paid by a blind trust, which means, according to Christian Porter, he doesn't know who put money into it, which isn't how blind trusts work. See, in a blind trust, you know where the money comes from, just not how it's invested. So the former attorney general doesn't know what a blind trust is. What he's describing is more like a um, a blind faith trust or a willfully ignorant trust or a, a fun drive with potentially criminal implications that we're being asked to trust. Trust. When news about this trust came to light, the Prime Minister sprang into action and asked Christian Porter to resign from his ministry and move to the back bench. He has, this afternoon, taken the appropriate course of action to uphold those standards by tendering his resignation as a minister this afternoon, and I have accepted his resignation. This way, he can keep the money. Because in Parliament, the application of ethical standards changes depends on where you're sitting. Apparently, it's like a classroom. If you sit in front and the teacher can see you, don't carve a detailed and anatomically correct illustration of male genitalia onto the desk. But if you sit at the back, then carve away... Help, pull out your actual penis and trace around it. No one's going to know. So now Christian Porter is relegated to the back benches of Parliament, having to make do with a meagre salary of just over $200,000 and however much is in this blind trust. Defending his refusal to reveal who was behind the blind trust, he said, I'm not prepared to seek to break the confidentiality of those people who contributed to my legal fees. Mr Porter adding he could not assist any process that would ultimately allow people who've done nothing wrong to become targets of the social media mob. It's a show of consideration for the privacy and health of his donors. 
which is probably surprising to the 373,000 people hounded by the robo-debt scheme he implemented when Social Services Minister, which relied on inaccurate ATO tax assessments and resulted in several suicides and stress-related deaths. Rushing to defend Christian Porter is Deputy Prime Minister and the man most likely to trace his penis on a desk, Barnaby Joyce. Speaking to Sunrise, Joyce said... Well, he's not resigning. Uh, he has gone now, like so many of us, in a period of our career, to the corridor of the nearly dead that sits above the com cars. And uh, I was there for a bit over three three years. It's, it's part and parcel of a lot of political lives. Barnaby Joyce, of course, was relegated to this corridor after sexual harassment allegations surfaced against him. Barnaby Joyce also described Porter as... ...incredibly astute politician. He's incredibly capable. The same Christian Porter who, as Social Services Minister, cost the taxpayers over $1 billion in damages over robo-debt and as Attorney General had to withdraw the defamation case he initiated. He's so bad at every job he's done so far. Which does explain why everyone thought he was definitely going to be Prime Minister one day. That's basically the qualification at this point. Porter has, of course, come under scathing criticism from the Labour opposition. Here's Labour MP Joel Fitzgibbon. People should take a look at how this exposes all politicians uh, to this sort of attack uh, on their political careers. Uh, it's a, it sets yeah. a dangerous precedent and on that basis uh, all politicians should be really concerned at the way the defamation laws allow them to be attacked like this with almost... Uh, a situation where they're almost, it's almost impossible to defend themselves. I'm sorry, by scathing criticism, I obviously meant a sympathetic back rub. Joel Fitzgibbon, who looks like a tracing of a penis, isn't wrong. Who will weep for the poor politicians? Politicians like Peter Dutton, who launched a defamation lawsuit against a refugee activist. New South Wales Premier John Barlaro, who's suing a YouTube comedian. And Federal MP Andrew Laming, who sued multiple news outlets and received almost $300,000 in damages and settlements, to name just a tiny few from the last six months alone. They're the real victims here. Why are we all still on this nightmare app news now? No one is at all shocked this week after a series of articles in the Wall Street Journal exposed just how far Facebook has gone to prioritize profits over the health and safety of its billions of users. It turns out the company that previously had been accused of causing the rise of racist violent extremism around the world, enhancing fascist government control and propaganda, and being used by everyone from terrorists to anti-vaxxers to further their agendas, is now also likely aware of how much Instagram destroys the self-image of teenage girls. Wall Street Journal tech reporter Jeff Horwitz expanded on some of the findings by explaining that the app has made body image issues worse for one in three girls. Particularly for teenage girls, uh, they found that this stuff could make, I believe the phrase was, we make body image issues worse in one in three teen girls. Uh, and in some instances, this could have potentially life-threatening effects. They actually found that some users, about 6%, 6-7% six, in, the, in the United States, who had reported, um, so users who had reported feeling um, like they had the urge to harm, them, to harm themselves, those people were tracing it directly back to Instagram. More than 40% of Instagram users who said they felt unattractive said the feeling began while using the app. This is different from when I was a teenager and I just felt unattractive all the damn time. 
Facebook has responded by liking the article on the Wall Street Journal's Facebook page and Wall Street Journal's Instagram post while announcing a new pair of glasses that have cameras hidden inside them. These are Ray-Ban Stories, a $299 pair of high-tech glasses made with Facebook. Tap here and this 5 megapixel camera records video of whatever you're looking at. If this pisses you off, head over to my Facebook fan page and tell me what you think. I could really do with the engagement. The great white-faced North News now. Canada has elected its first brown prime minister. In a victory for diversity everywhere, voters elected the 49-year-old Justin Trudeau as Prime Minister, or as he's known by his Indian name, Jatinder Trishna. Prime Minister Jatinder will lead a minority government after calling a snap election. The man popularly known as Justin came under some criticism when more pictures were uncovered showing him with his face painted brown at a party in the early 2000s, which is recent enough to know better. Given how many pictures there are of him in brown face at this point, it's only reasonable to assume he's actually a brown man who is now performing in white face rather than a white man who did so much brown face he's starting to seem like he's written by Chris Lilly. Trudeau is the leader of the Liberal Party in Canada, where liberal means leftist. Unlike in Australia, where liberal means scum-sucking pieces of corrupt feces. It's a difference of pronunciation. Really? We can't even save the fucking koala's news now? The koala. It lives in trees, eats eucalyptus leaves, and looks like an adorable cross between Henry Kissinger and a cuddly toy you buy at the departure lounge of the airport. It's also one of the only animals synonymous with Australia that isn't likely to eat your face, sting you to death, swallow you while you sleep, or generally result in an international news story that your friends in other countries send you on WhatsApp saying, where the hell do you live, man? So you think we'd take better care of it? After all, it's not like the koala is found in any other part of the world. If you want a tree-clinging marsupial with thumbs and fingerprints almost identical to human fingerprints, I'm not making that up. You can look that up. A koala can totally frame you for murder. Then you have to come to Australia. Although you better come here quick because at the rate we're going, the koala won't be around much longer. A new report by the Australian Koala Foundation has announced the koala population has dropped by 30% since 2018. That's right, in three years, we've gone from more than 80,000 koalas to less than 58,000 koalas. That is, a lot less koalas. In New South Wales, that number has dropped by 41%, largely due to fires, real estate development and having to listen to Kyle and Jackie O in the morning. Deborah Tabart, CEO of the foundation, hasn't given up hope. I do actually trust the Australian public to really do the right thing and tell our political leaders, I want this species saved. The Australian public has responded by asking if saving koalas will in some way affect franking credits. Because if that's the case, then the koalas can get fucked. That's all news from this week's edition of News Weekly. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. My name is Sammy Shah and if you like this podcast, please tell your friends about it. Please spread the word and please do join me on my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Sammy Shah. That's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H where you can find a text edition of this podcast as well as lots of other free stuff like cool recipes and uh, excerpts from my short stories and novels and any other things that you might want to hear or read or experience are on offer for a measly seven bucks minimum and it kind of goes up from there so please join me on the patreon and i look forward to seeing you otherwise i'll see you right back here next week on news weekly where we punch the headlines in the head weekly (laughs) 